0: Share Care, helping you. Get younger, get guidance, get better care, get smart, get fit. Radio
1: MD presents Share Care Radio with Daria Long Gillespie, MD. Hi, it's Dr. Daria, and I am back. I am so glad we are talking about today's issue because as an ER doctor, health information of my patients is so important to me. I'm often seeing patients who I've never met before, and many of them come, and it's hard to get a complete health history on them. Many of them don't remember it, and we also are at a period where regulations make it but put patients at risk for the security of their health Records. So your personal medical records are one of the most important things you need to stay up to date on, but current government regulations make it tough for patients to access their records, and they also increase the risk that your records could be incorrectly identified as someone else's. So the American Health Information Management Association, or AHIMA, as we'll be referring to them today, is working on a really critical campaign to try to change that from the top. Now, they've even launched a White House petition. We're going to talk about that at the end. And today we have AHIMA expert Becky Beagle. She's worked in this field for over 30 years, and she's here to explain a little more about this issue. Becky, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you very much for asking me. I want to know what got you interested in the health... consumer health information safety and management?
0: Well, uh, throughout my long career in health information management, I've seen a lot of patients who've had issues because of inaccurate health information, things like that. And patient safety is a big part of medical care these days, along Mm -hmm. with um, uh, requirements from Joint Commission, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, and things like that. So patient safety is first and foremost in everybody's mind when it comes to the information we have to treat patients.
1: Wonderful. I agree. I think it's so important. It seems like there's two issues. One is keeping that information safe so that somebody can't use it maliciously or for the wrong reasons or steal your identity, but also is making it at the same time accessible to the patients to use when they need to use it because it is their information. So what do you view as the healthcare consumer's rights?
0: Well, there's a variety of rights. If we're talking strictly about access to their information, um, the patient or the consumer has the right to look at their health information Mm -hmm. and or receive a paper or electronic copy of it. Technically speaking, the patient owns the information. They may Mm -hmm. not own the piece of paper that it's printed on or the electronic media in which it's stored, but it's their information. They own it. So they also have a right to accurate and complete health information they have the right mm-hmm. to ask for changes in any health information they feel is inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a health uh, the right to know how their information is used or shared and who has received it. Mm-hmm. They can ask for limitations on the use and release of their health information. Mm-hmm. They certainly can expect their information to be private and secure within reasonable boundaries. Mm-hmm. They have a right to be informed about the privacy and security breaches that might happen if their health information is breached. Mm-hmm. And they also have a right that's to so pilot- true. Yeah, it is. And we're seeing a lot of breaches lately. Um, we are. With stories online and people trying to steal information intentionally or hold it hostage and things yes. like that.
1: It's true. And I re- remember reading recently that health records are now a new, unfortunately, target of hackers.
0: Correct. There was an incident in California at a Hollywood hospital Mm -hmm. where their data was captured and ransomed, pretty much um, held for ransom. And here in Arizona, a, a mental health provider that my daughter happens to work for, they have a big outpatient setting, and someone tried to hack their information. But fortunately, they backed their information up every night, so they told the hackers, you know, take a hike. We're not paying you anything because they knew their information was secure. Uh, based on the fact that they had, um, well, it wasn't secure. it was safe. They dealt with the hackers. The hackers really pr- just prevented access, but they were able to circumvent that by having proper security things in place and things like that.
1: Well, and I think it is an example, it's telling, of how valuable health information is. It's really the next phase. There's credit card information. Now it's it's your health information. Why yeah. are medical records so important and valuable? <laughs>
0: Well, they're important and valuable because they provide a history of a patient's health. Mm-hmm. It can be, you know, wellness checks. Um, it can be critical accidents that you have information on. It can mm-hmm. just be everyday vaccinations. But in order to know what has been, what has transpired in a patient's health history, the medical record is the accurate document that all healthcare providers go to to find that information
1: hmm. It's so true. It's really it's it's one of the first things I pull up when I see a patient and that's the the document that medical information on them. It's so critical for the variety of providers, especially as now a lot of people have a variety of different physicians yeah. and we're living longer. So we have even more information, in our health records. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the tough things for consumers is that we have a health record at your primary care doctor and your health record at a hospital and maybe health record at your orthopedic surgeon. Right now, I know technology is, is catching up to it, and it's something that we're working on with ShareCare is helping people create their own personal health profile. What are your recommendations for how people can access their records and store them in one place?
0: Well, they need to check with their providers first and foremost because the provider, whether it's a physician or a hospital or some other kind of healthcare care provider, they hold the record for you. A lot of those providers are sharing information with health information exchanges, depending on what's going on in your state. But if you want to have your own personal health record, you can certainly do that. You have a right to obtain copies of your information. So I would suggest that you do that uh, and anytime you access services, um, like for example, if I went over to the Minute Clinic at the local pharmacy or something like that, mm-hmm. they'll usually give me a paper copy of the information gathered during my encounter or visit with them. Mm-hmm. So I, I keep my own health information and I have for years because of the profession I'm in, mm-hmm. but I know that it's my legal right to have a copy of that information, so I do my best to access that. Mm -hmm. And um, patients do need to be aware that if they are asking for copies of records for personal use, uh, not uh, continued health care use, but personal use, they may be charged for a copy of the record. It just all depends on what the organization does, but not to be surprised if they're asked to pay for it.
1: Yeah, I know a lot of places do that, not as a way to make money, but also just because with the way that records are, it takes time to print everything out and pull everything up and also to make sure that they're giving the information to the right person.
0: You're, so you're, you're 100% lot of correct on that, the information on the right person. And the federal government does have some statutory uh, fees that they will allow um, healthcare providers to charge in those instances, and they uh, can no longer be excessive. Well, not that they were ever allowed to be excessive, but they're taking away the likelihood of excessive uh, copy fees and things like that.
1: Yeah. Okay, great. It's so always a good point to point out. And I like that you mentioned about managing it yourself. It's, you know, technology is catching up, and, you know, we're all working on good ways to have your personal health records. But until then, it, there still remains, from a medical record standpoint, some of the onus and the best ways to take care of it is. The patient to take care of it one way I tell people is to you know use the system in a way that works for you but kind of choose a provider to be your single source of information so for my daughter her pediatrician is that so if I take her to a minute clinic or anywhere else I then get that document that you said you get from the minute clinic and I let her pediatrician know I let them know that she was put on amoxicillin elsewhere or anything so they have that single source
0: Right, I'm in total agreement with that. Somebody does need to know all about what's going on Mm -hmm. with you. And Mm -hmm. um, most companies or places like MinuteClinic that have an electronic health record will send a copy of the encounter to your position of choice, but Mm -hmm. still we need to be our own advocates when it comes to our health care. So paying Mm -hmm. attention to what you're doing and what you know about yourself and making sure that your primary care physician is also aware is very important.
1: Now, what? T- give us some tips uh, for how to store your information or how to keep records. I know a lot of us, I see a lot of patients with three-ring binders mm. or you know, big folios. Do you have any specific tips on how to what to keep and how to do so? Well, I think
0: it depends on your uh, preference as the patient. A lot of people still like paper. They're wedded to that. Other people might want it in an electronic form. But their provider may not have a way to give them, uh, the provider will have a way to give it to them electronically if they store it electronically, but do you have the access to the same system so that you can read Mm -hmm. what they gave you electronically is really important. The paper could be good, and it's sometimes easier to reference the paper when it's right in front of you. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's personal preference, how computer savvy do you feel um, that you are? Uh, are you uh, an old-fashioned person wedded to paper and it's not necessarily a bad thing and you know where everything is and you can collate and store it more easily? Mm-hmm. Um, so personal preference in terms of electronic or paper. When it comes to the information to keep, um, I think you t- take a look at the conditions that you may have, any chronic conditions or mm-hmm. anything that happened to you acutely and um, call from that. Um, if you have some kind of condition where repeated labs over the course of years tell a greater story for you than just somebody at occasional blood sugar level or an occasional electrolyte level, I, I don't necessarily recommend keeping really old labs that aren't germane to something that's going on with you today.
1: Mm-hmm. But let's
0: say yeah. you have some kind of... Uh, on unusual anemia or something like that, or kidney
1: function or something. Yes, you'll you'll
0: want the historical record over time to (laughs) show the progression, whether it's worse or better and and things like that. Mm -hmm. So it uh, all depends on your conditions and, and how much paper or electronic record you're willing to manage.
1: Yeah, this is true, and anybody who's even looked at their records knows it's a ton of paperwork, and it's a lot of paperwork. When I go looking through an electronic record, you have all of the correspondence, so I agree. There's a lot of stuff you can cull out of there, but list of your procedures and your conditions really important. Um, And I often tell people to kind of keep a single page summary because if they come into the ER, I can't look through a notebook. But if you have a one pager of here's my conditions here's procedures i've had um you made a great point about labs and yes because i don't don't need to probably know what somebody's sodium was in 2001 but if right. they have a kidney problem and that kidney problem is progressive then seeing for them what their creatinine is cre- increasing over time if it's something that your doctor is trending and watching then it's probably something to keep on that list um so that's a great point point. and then allergies can't forget allergies and also what caused what reaction was I have so many patients if I could tell everybody they say that they're allergic to penicillin and then when you say what happened they say I don't know I think it was when I was a child (laughs) if there's (laughs) nothing else you put in your medical record that you keep I want to know what the what the cause of the allergy is and what symptoms you had because it's really important we have a lot of patients who can't give medications because we have some unknown allergy and then lastly let's not forget their prescriptions
0: Yes, that's a, an, a, another important facet is keeping a current medication list mm-hmm. um, and provide that and or perhaps even add some of the older medications if you knew you maybe you weren't allergic to but you had a bad reaction yes. and, and intolerance and you don't ever want to take that particular antibiotic again when another one may work just as well.
1: I love that. That's great information. Just that one page. You can even fold that up and keep it in your wallet. Ideally, you keep it on, I have a little file on my phone of notes. If you can mm-hmm. keep it there, one for each family member. Or I, you know, we have a, a symptom, an app called AskMD. You can keep a health profile on every family member because it's keeping track of everybody that gets so hard. Now, I want to switch gears from what information to have to making sure your information stays safe. We talked a little bit about this before with hackers and uh But how do you make sure, how can patients make sure that their health information is being used safely or reduce the risk that they could get hacked or identity stolen this way?
0: Well, um, if you're concerned about your records at a hospital or something like that, I'm sure you could certainly ask the hospital what kind Mm -hmm. of steps do you have in place there. Mm -hmm. Every hospital or healthcare provider covered entity is required under the HIPAA privacy and laws to have um, security programs and privacy programs in place. And the security programs have to follow the standards set by the government. And there has Mm -hmm. to be routine testing to make sure that everything's up to snuff. Uh, You know, there's always some hacker out there who found the the newest way five minutes ago, whereas Mm -hmm. the hospital may not know about it, but, you know, ask, your healthcare provider. What do you do to keep my records safe? Um, if they're not willing to tell you, I'd be really surprised because mm-hmm. they're required by law to meet these yeah. privacy and security standards. As for at home, you know, if you're really worried about it um, and you have some kind of electronic health record that you keep on your home computer, you should password protect your own home computer because mm-hmm. people can drive down the street, pick up your Wi-Fi signal if you haven't locked it down, and then they can get into no. your system.
1: It's so scary. And then the other thing we see, and I've seen this in the hospital before, where patients coming in, somebody comes in and they essentially use somebody else's identity and Mm -hmm. check in under that other person's identity and build that other person's insurance as well.
0: Yes, that does happen quite unfortunately. I know not that many years ago there was a case at a hospital in Milwaukee where a brother used his brother's mm-hmm. medical inf- his, his medical insurance. And so there were two conflicting sets of information in the chart because the patient day who is the real uh, patient with insurance now had his information mixed with his brother and his brother was pretending to be him. Uh, the brother had, needed some cardiac surgery and didn't have insurance so that he just thought it would be great to, you know, my brother has insurance, so I'll go in under his name and get my operation and I won't have to pay for it quite unfortunately, there was an adverse outcome for the medical procedures. So that added a whole new mm-hmm. issue to this situation. Medical identity theft is illegal. Yes. And yet now there was a, a medical malpractice potential lawsuit. Yeah, you know, it, it was a mess. It mm-hmm. was just a big mess. And your information can uh, get mixed up with somebody else's either intentionally or mm-hmm. unintentionally because if patients have the same or similar sounding names, when you go to patient registration and you tell them I'm Susie Smith, Mm -hmm. heaven knows how many Susie Smiths could be in the system. And if they don't select the correct Susie Smith, meaning you, your information can all of a sudden get mixed in with somebody else's.
1: That's a really good point that you just mentioned. I know you're checking in two things, actually one is it's not forget to mention that yes, using somebody else's identity for healthcare, it's totally, it's illegal. Mm -hmm. So they, you know, they can be charged with that. So it's not just a benign thing that you're going to get a hand slap. It is actually, it is illegal to do so. Um, and then secondly, when you're being checked in, whether it's your primary care doctor or the ER, and they're saying you're Susie Smith, and they usually read off your date of birth and maybe something else, make sure, and usually we're like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Just put the sticker on my uh, on my sheet and let me go. Uh, pay attention there. Make sure they have the right you and the right date of birth. Make them double check on your address, especially if your name is common, to make sure they're not putting that under the wrong person.
0: Yes, and I have seen duplicates of even people with very uncommon names, first Mm -hmm. and last names, totally the same, but so totally oh, yeah. uncommon, it shocked me that we had two people with the same name. Yes, so.
1: and it's it's hard for the, the caregiver. Every once in a while, you'll see, like, oh, I have I have two Andersons or two whatever. And so the caregivers mm-hmm. have to make special attention to that. So one of the things that I know you're working on with AHEMA is the My Health ID initiative. Talk to us about that.
0: Well, because of the fact that it's so easy for patients to get mixed up in the system, uh, accidentally or otherwise, AHIMA has lodged a petition known as My Health ID, and we're asking the White House to address a voluntary patient safety identifier as a solution to patient matching. Um, as electronic health records become more common, there's a greater risk for incorrect patient matching, and the risk can cause costly or even dangerous mistakes. You know, let's mm-hmm. say you've got an allergy to penicillin, and somebody else doesn't, and they're using your information, perhaps your allergy to penicillin gets removed from your record. Yes. Um, and then the next time you're in and they give you penicillin, something could happen. So mm-hmm. we're participating. So mm-hmm. uh, the Obama administration and... Uh, the petition uh, reads uh, Removal, excuse me, remove the federal budget ban that prohibits the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services from participating in efforts to find a patient identification solution. Mm-hmm. Um, we support a voluntary patient safety identifier. Accurate patient identification is critical in providing safe care, but the sharing of electronic health information is being compromised because mm-hmm. of patient identification issues. So Mm -hmm. let's start the conversation and find a solution.
1: So with that, would patients be able to say, I want to log in and get my own voluntarily patient safety identifying number?
0: Well, um, we don't know how that's going to happen once, um, if the government agrees to go ahead with removing the ban. Back when HIPAA was first enacted into law in 1996, it had provisions for a a national patient identifier, Hmm. and people were freaked out over that, worried that they'd be given yet another number or identifier. Mm -hmm. So uh, Congress stepped in and put a ban on the uh, patient identifier. So we're trying to lift the ban so that we can move forward with uh, a patient
1: identifier. Becky, thank you. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, we want uh, Physicians as well. We want to be able to share patient information with them, but in a way that is safe and secure. So all of our listeners, go and sign up. It's a hashtag MyHealthID petition. Visit AHIMAH.com. A-H-I-M-A dot org backslash MyHealthID and click the red button on top. But hurry, the petition is only open until April 19th. You have seven days left to go. Of course, follow AHIMA for updates on the campaign on Twitter at AHIMA Resources. And always, any questions, follow me. I'm at Twitter at Dr. Daria. Follow all of us here at ShareCare at ShareCare, Inc. We'd love to help you. Thanks for listening to ShareCare Radio on Radio MD.